Welcome to Detours 4 Points. In this series, we discuss four tech points with an engineer's perspective. My name's Jeffrey. And my name's Abdo. And today, we're breaking down our conversation with Philip Edgkin, an MD-PhD candidate, an inventor, an engineer, and many more things. Today, we're discussing the Pico Lantern, a device that Philip invented, patented, and licensed. If you want to hear more about this engineer and physician entrepreneur, you can definitely check out our upcoming podcasts. Today, we're discussing... Number one, a brief discussion of what the PQL Lantern is and why it's needed. Number two, a discussion on the merits of understanding needs from a medical perspective and the opportunity from a technological perspective. Number three, how that frames Philip's story. And number four, some neat tidbits on how the engineering portion of biomedical innovation isn't limited to bringing a product to life, but also extends into the patenting and licensing arenas. So Abdo, what is the PQL Lantern? That's a great question, Jeffrey. Um, how about we let Philip explain? And so we purchased one of those projectors, reconfigured it in such a way that it could be dropped into a patient during a minimally invasive surgery and picked up by the surgeon. In our case, it was picked up by a a surgical robotic arm, but it could be a laparoscopic instrument. And, And then in turn, that projector could be used to come up with a three dimensional map of the surface of that the surgeon is operating on and also project relevant information, whether it's blood vessels, tumors, or suggested cut lines. So from what I understand, uh, the Pico Lantern is basically a camera that you can drop into the abdomen independent of a laparoscope. Is that right? Yeah. So one way I can see it as being useful is you can basically get 3D reconstructed images of a surface if you project, say, a checkered pattern onto the, uh, the surface. Uh, because then a camera can pick that pattern up and reconstruct it and figure out the curvature of the surface. All right. So what you're saying is basically given a known checkerboard pattern, as it'll be distorted on a curved surface, the camera can then recognize that distortion and figure out how bent the surface is. And from that, with more analysis, you can then extrapolate where you should cut and perhaps where blood vessels are. Yeah, I guess that's a more eloquent way of putting it. I'm always more eloquent than you, Abdo. All right. So now that we understand how the Pico Lantern works, let's break down the basic concepts of why you would need both a medical and technical perspective uh, to create such an invention. Let's first talk about the needs from a medical perspective. Uh, Philip puts it like this. And so Chris Guan, or Dr. Guan, kind of put the challenge to Dr. Rowling and I, uh, which was, you know, how can we have the equivalent of a heads-up display like we see in fighter jets or in aviation in the context of surgery? How can we have something like Google Maps in the context of surgery? And how can we give the surgeon a sense of the underlying anatomy, not just through the preoperative CT scan, but actually in the moment before they actually have to cut into the kidney or cut into, you know, cut around a particular blood vessel. Can you explain how a heads-up display would be useful for a surgeon? Mm-hmm. So basically, in the in the context of surgery currently, you got to do your preoperative imaging to figure out where to cut before you cut. But that imaging isn't necessarily available to you when you when you're actually doing the surgery. So what's important here is that you want to lay out exactly where blood vessels, nerves and other important organs and structures are before you cut so that you're able to minimize patient damage during surgery in the context of accelerating movement towards uh, safer patient care in medicine, it makes sense. 
Now that we've talked about the needs from a medical perspective, let's move on to the opportunities from a technological or engineering perspective. You always want to talk about yourself, Abdo. Nice. Let's hear Philip's take on it. Uh, And ultimately, we identified that the multi-billion dollar cell phone industry was interested in one day having projectors built into our cell phones in the same way that we have cameras so that you could you know, casually display a presentation or show you know, in big a, a, a video of your recent ski trip to your friends. So to break it down, from what I understand here, uh, Philip and Dr. Rowling recognize that there are billions of dollars of research going on in the uh, communications industry and he just applied technology that was going on there to the healthcare sector. Honestly, when he mentioned the cellular industry, my, my ears just perked up because oftentimes in engineering, innovation is sparked when knowledge or themes from one industry are passed on to another. Uh, a good resource for engineers in this is usually the cellular or mobile industries. As they, as mentioned, they have billions of dollars in research funding. This means that they're tremendously ahead of other tech fields. So basically that means that you don't have to pour billions of dollars of R&D in order to develop a cheap device. A really good example of this, for example, from what I know, uh, is that optical fiber cables used uh, in the telecommunications industry can also be used in medical imaging, such as the newfound uh, ophthalmological imaging modality, the OCT or ocular coherence tomography. However, this isn't just another get-rich-quick scheme. Uh, You usually have to innovate on the already existing tech for it to have any sort of value. Otherwise, anyone else can copy what you have or even do it better. So what you're saying is that I can't bring the newest 5G device into an office and make it a medical device? Jeffrey, for the fifth time, no! So on to the next point where we talk a little bit about the next parts of the biomedical innovation process, which include licensing and patenting. Everyone's favorite topic, patenting and all the legal works that comes behind it. Uh, let's let's listen to how Philip uh, went about doing this to the U.S. Patent Office, and I have to give you know tip of my hat and and full credit to the UBC University Industrial Liaison Office that kind of walked us through the process and and uh, worked with us and the lawyers to put together the patent. And just actually this September, uh, in September 2019, the the patent was formally granted by the U.S. Uh, patent Office. So. That was a big day, uh, but also of note to maybe some of the listeners is it was about, f- I think, three and a half years after we filed the original patent. And uh, and so it's just uh, interesting to see how long the, the process of patenting something can take. All right, let me just key you guys in on a secret. I am by no stretch of the imagination an expert uh, on anything legal. However... The one thing I do know at most universities is you can typically go to the industrial liaison office and uh, they can typically handle most of the paperwork. Otherwise, you're in for a long and arduous ride. But hey, it's usually worth it in the end. I mean, Google usually says that it takes three to four years uh, to secure a patent. But, you know, why is a patent really that important anyway? Wow. Uh, well, it's simply put... Simply put, it's democracy's way of securing your rights after you've created something. Uh, That way, your stuff doesn't get stolen by a random guy in his mom's basement. So like that time you stole my lunch? No, no, that was legal. Okay, lawman. Please, lawman was my father. You can call me sir. Alright there. So in terms of licensing, which Philip mentioned, 
Let's hear a little bit about Philip's experience with this process. Uh, Northern Digital Inc., which is a quite a well-established biomedical engineering company, and they uh, effectively asked if they could license the technology and work with us to uh, develop it uh, as potentially a product uh, that they could sell to surgeons because they have other biomedical uh, devices that they sell for surgery and for surgical navigation. And so uh, we actually, UBC entered in a, a two-year licensing agreement with them. And, and through that, uh, I was able to work directly with their engineers to further develop the technology. Now, uh, ultimately, uh, we didn't get to the point of uh, full commercialization. And so right now, the licensing agreement is effectively on hold. Um, but now that we have the the full you know patent which has been formally granted, it kind of gives us uh, some some new momentum in terms of uh, potentially getting that licensing agreement going again and 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 spending the money we need for actual commercialization of the Pico Lantern. So Abdo, what's your perspective on licensing in this context? It's usually a great way of pushing your product forward, especially if you're currently lacking resources. Um, like Philip said, he's able to directly work with other engineers and put more brains onto this project and hopefully push it to commercialization, as he mentioned. Yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge that when it comes to taking a prototype to actually to market and being able to sell to various surgeon and surgeons and onboarding them with the technology, it takes a lot of time, a lot of money and a lot of manpower. And that's something that a lot of physician entrepreneurs can't afford by themselves. So it's perfectly valid to say that commercialization in terms of licensing is a great way to go for a lot of physician entrepreneurs. What are other ways to commercialize technology? Well, if you're on the other end of the spectrum whereby you have the manpower, the time, uh, it may actually be worth it for you to go on and do it on your own. This means that you don't have to share the profits which is always good. It's been a pleasure. I really wish I could say the same, Jeffrey. Thanks, Abdo. If you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it, and if you learned as much as we did during the making of this episode, uh, you can tune in to later episodes of Four Points in the coming weeks. My name's Jeffrey. My name's Abdo. And thank you for listening.